You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Let's uh, start out with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we come before you. Uh, publicly reading your scriptures like has been done for uh, tens of thousands of years, uh, quite possibly, since uh, you revealed yourself in the word uh, to your people, and, and, uh, and then they would gather together, and they would read the scriptures, and, and they would look at their lives and examine and, and talk about it, Father, and, and then they would be changed. And so that's what we want to do here in this place, is we want to open up uh, your love letter to us, and, and uh, we want our hearts to be changed. And so we pray that you would do that. And uh, today that you would just honor the teaching and the, and the reading of your word. We ask this in the name of your son. Amen. So we are uh, in a series on Luke. And um, before I forget, uh, if you need a Bible, we've ordered a stack of these uh, ESV Bibles. They are free. Uh, and when you go out of this uh, room and turn to the left, you'll see some books up on the wall. And there's a bunch of these. So feel free to grab one on the way out if you need a Bible. If you get here on a Sunday and you forget yours and you want to be able to follow along in the scriptures with us, Pick up one of these also and, uh, and take it with you. So we are going through a series called Kingdom Come. Uh, it's in the book of Luke. And what we're doing is we're taking a chapter at a time. We're reading that chapter publicly. And then we're just picking a section out of it. And we're going to be teaching on that. And, uh, and it's kind of up to whoever's speaking uh, each week to what chapter, what section we're going to do. And so this week I chose to do the section that's the dialogue between John the Baptist's disciples and, uh, and Jesus, starting in, in verse 18 is where we're going to be reading. Uh, but the big idea of what we're doing here in reading through the book of Luke is, is we're looking at the kingdom that Jesus came here to bring. And we're, we're kind of examining our lives and the way we live today based on that kingdom and say, okay, Jesus, if you came, if your kingdom is literally upon us, if you are here, that's Jesus, he is here in Portland, he is, he is pushing, that's actually not Jesus, Daniel Higginson, but anyway, um, it's, it's, you're rapidly um, in advancing your mission and your purpose here in our city, we want to be a part of that. And so we need to study the scriptures and examine our lives and see what that looks like. So that's what we're going to do today in uh, examining this idea, this, this dialogue that John has with, with Jesus. Kind of the big idea here is uh, Jesus come in the way that people expected him to come. They had these ideas of what his kingdom would look like. And then he shows up and he starts living a life and, and, and people are like, really, that's, that's the Messiah? Like, that's not what I was expecting. And for us today, we even tend to build up a worldview of what it means to follow Jesus. And sometimes Jesus is just this good old, nice, white, Republican, moral guy, you know? And that's what we relegate Jesus to being. And he's so much more than that. And his kingdom is so much more than that. And so we need to take our worldview of who Jesus is and base it off of the scriptures and what it means to be a part of his kingdom. So that's the challenge that we're going to get here today, hopefully, in studying through this passage. So uh, I'm just going to read small sections of this at a time, and then we'll go back and, and we'll discuss it. So starting in 18 here. He says, uh, just in review, uh, the disciples of John uh, reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who has come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one to come, or shall we look for another? 
In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered uh, them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blesses the one who is not offended by me. So it's kind of interesting just realizing the irony of who's asking that question. It's John the Baptist is saying, okay, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? And you know the background to John. You know, him and Jesus were in the womb together, you know, when Elizabeth and Mary were both pregnant. Remember, he left in her womb when Mary walked into the room. Uh, John would have been raised in a way, being the prophet in Malachi 3.1 that was going to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. So his life would have been bred for that. Then John himself has, has entered into the wilderness. He's living a very radical lifestyle of, of eating locusts and honey and wearing camel's skin. And he's preaching repentance and preaching the, the coming of the Messiah. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking toward him in one of those times when he's teaching. And he goes, behold, the Son of God. And then Jesus comes and he's baptized and God opens up the heavens and the the spirit of God descends upon Jesus and says this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased you know this incredible beautiful picture of of God just anointing his son and declaring what he's doing and John seeing that and his life being prepared up to that point and now Jesus is gone and he's begun to do all these incredible ministry and healing and even you know even previous to this people are being raised from the dead there's a funeral procession that we read about and Jesus just walks up and he and takes this kid out of this casket and and raises him to life. It's this incredible, beautiful craziness. And then you got John the Baptist going, so are you the Messiah or should we wait for somebody else? You're like, really? Like, what are you thinking, man? Like, how how could John the Baptist get so off track? That he would not see that, that, that this, is the, this is the Messiah and who it is. And what it comes down to was the style that Jesus came in was not what John was expecting. They both taught the same message. They both taught a message of repentance, right? But what that repentance looked like is not what John was expecting. You know, John was expecting, like a lot of us do, is for Jesus to look like us. And to act like us, you know. I mean, John had rejected every material possession. He would not. He did not hang out with sinners. He did not uh, live in any type of societal function. And so John would automatically assume that's probably what Jesus is going to look like when he comes. He's going to live a live a life like me. But Jesus comes and and he's not right. He's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, and he's drinking wine. You know, and he's doing all these things that, that John had not thought he was. And so automatically, even though the message is the same, and God is powerfully at work in what Jesus is doing in miracles, raising people from the dead, healing lepers, um, casting out demons, he still questions. And I think that's, that idea in and of itself is so important for us as God's followers to step back and say, okay, am, am I doing that? Am I, am I doing what John did? You know, am I, am I taking Jesus and really kind of relegating him to who I want him to be and my little, my little friend Jesus here? Or if the Messiah really has come, don't you think we would probably live our lives radically different? You know, that's that... That's that hard truth for us because we go, oh yeah, of course the, the, the Messiah has come. That's why we're all here. That's why we're, that's why we're gathered in this room 
together. But in reality, if you truly did believe the Messiah had come, does your life reflect that truth and that belief? That's that, that hard choice that I, I really want us to take some time and, and to examine our lives today and, and look at that. And, and Jesus, even throughout this book, he's going to constantly say, this is what it means to be a part of my kingdom. This is what it means to be a part of my kingdom. Uh, Royce did this last week with loving our enemies. This is what it means to be a part of my kingdom, to love your enemies. And all he, he didn't say it once. He kept like browbeating it over and over and over again because that is so parallel to who we are. But we want to we wanna say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't have to love my enemies. I can just hang out with my little circle of friends and the people that I, inter- I interact with. I don't, I don't have to do that. But that's what it means to be a part of, a part of, a, a part of the kingdom of God. Um, one of the, one of the, the sinful tendencies, the tendencies that we have is to take Jesus and conform him to, uh, to, to look like us. And so... I, even in this church, I, I think if we said, who is Jesus? It would probably look different, very different for all of us. And some of us, Jesus is, I think he's, he's that, that guy that we come and we hang out with on Sunday mornings. You know, that we come and we sing some songs with. But then he doesn't really care about what I do the rest of my week with, uh, with, with him or not. For, for some of us, Jesus is that guy that we cry out to when, when we're in trouble but we don't actually live a life that honors him. It's like, it's like saying, God, you know, my, my relationship with my boyfriend is completely falling apart. And so, God, I need you to fix my relationship with my boyfriend. But then we're living in, you know, in a sexual relationship with our boyfriend outside of marriage, which is completely, you know, against the way that God set up for us to be in relationships. When we do that and we start looking at those aspects of our life, we start saying, okay, you know, I really am picking and choosing the parts of Jesus that I want. And I'm not embracing who he truly is and, and what it means to, to be a part, of, a part of my kingdom. It's really interesting in this passage that, that Jesus says uh, toward the end there, he says in verse 23, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Uh, Royce, was, we were praying earlier back here, and he was, saying, he was saying, you know, God, he was praying for us not to be offended by Jesus. And that's hard for me because Jesus is offensive to me. You know, I don't know about you guys, but, but he is. Like, like, he rubs me the wrong way. Because all the things that he said, I don't do. You know, like even when you're, when you're reading like the Beatitudes and, and what Jesus was all, was all about. Like, I read that stuff and I'm like, man, that's so hard for me because that's not naturally who I am. Because, like, I don't want to do those things that, you, that you're telling me to do. Like, I don't want to hang out with the tax collector and sinner sometimes. You know, I, I don't. Like, it, it's difficult, and it's messy, and it's nasty, and so I'm just going to hang out with my little group. I was, uh, I was in at Kells. You guys ever go to Kells Pub downtown? Amen. <laughs> so I was hanging out, with, hanging out at Kells this week, and there's a guy there named Jake Adams. If you guys, uh, if you ever go to the well, go into the cigar room and ask for Jake Adams. He's the bouncer at the well. Uh, I'm sorry, at, the, uh, at Kells. He goes to a church called The Well. And in the past, we've done some really cool things. We, our church would connect with them, and we would do, like, a gospel conversation cigars at Kells. And so we would just gather talk about Jesus. So anyway, me and Jake were talking this week, and, um, and he is—and I was like, dude, because we were meeting. He's like, well, let's meet in the middle at Kells from our jobs. And, and so I was like, I thought doing security at Kells was your job. And, and he said, no. He's like, um, I have a, a job, out, you know, in southwest Portland. He was like, this is my mission. 
Like, I, I do this not because I need the money. I do this because it's an incredibly beautiful place to love on people. He was like, because you'll find people at their most broken point, uh, and, and I'm the one that's there not only dragging them out, but also telling them about who Jesus is and building this relationship with him. And I was just blown away about the way that he's, he was engaging himself in the mission. And I'm like, dude, like, Jesus would have been a bouncer. You know, like, he really would have. Like, like he would have gone and just hung out in those places where there would have been problems and, and things would have, would have come up. And, and so when I, when I look at that and, and I start to look at my life and, and, and uh, we're excited about this phase that God has us in and allowing us to move here to, to North Portland. We moved in this weekend to a home. And uh, you guys were incredible to serve us, which I just want to say thank you and packing us up, unpacking us, cleaning our old home, watching our children, bringing us food, um, hanging up blinds. I'm sorry, Russell. <laughs> that was awful of me. Um, hanging up blinds and just all of this stuff. To see the church rally around us and service was, was so incredible. But for us, uh, God has is, is really called us and placed us in, a, in, a, in an area and said, I want you to live here and I want you to engage in mission here. And uh, in, in, our, in our community, and in the first night that we moved in, this drunk guy wandered up and wanted to help us unpack. And I was like, I'm good. You know, like, like thanks, buddy. But, you know, I can see you falling out of my truck and bleeding on my driveway. Anyway, but, uh, but it, I know that that's the reality of the mission. And so we're excited about that mission and what it looks like. And, and for us, it's taking these scriptures and, and seeing who Jesus hung out with and, and what he was like. And then really for me and Jamie, looking at all of the choices that we're making about the school that our kids are going to go to and how we're going to interact with our neighbors and how we're going to serve our community and saying, is that what Jesus did? And this is my model, not my preference. Not always my personal style because I am very sinful, you know, and I will, I will choose to do things very differently from the way that Jesus did it. And so that's why we have the scriptures and that's why it's so important. And, I, and so Jesus says, you know, blesses the one who is not offended by me because there's a good chance he's going to offend you. And that's okay. That's when we reexamine, we look at our hearts and our lives. So uh, going on in this, Jesus, uh, Jesus in verse 24, uh, it says, when, when John's messengers is gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A a reed shaken by the wind? Uh, What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing live in luxury and are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized uh, by him. So it's really funny. Jesus, after he had, he had talked to John's disciples, he uses that opportunity to turn to the crowd and say, what, did, what exactly did, did you go, go out there to, to see? And it's an ironic question because he knows they didn't go out there to look at the beauty of the wilderness. This wasn't, you know, going up to Multnomah Falls and standing there and saying, isn't this beautiful? They went out there because they believed that John was the prophet, that he was preaching of the, of the coming Messiah. And so he asked them, um, he says, what did you guys uh, go out there to see? It was to, it was to hear the message because, like I said earlier, they believed that John was the prophet uh, that Malachi 3.1 had, had, had talked about. Um, 
And he says, I know you guys didn't go out there just for the wilderness. I know you went out there to, to see John and to hear his message. But I tell you guys that John and all of the greatness, although he is the fulfillment of an Old Testament passage, he's least in my kingdom. And he, and he actually says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And he's talking about us because he's saying that, that John was, was kind of the end of an era. He was the closing of the, the Old Testament covenant of that way that God interacted with his people. But he was preparing a way for Jesus to come and Jesus was going to bring about a whole new kingdom. And we now get to live in the reality of that kingdom that Jesus Christ has come here on this earth. That he has come and he's paid the penalty for our sin. That he is the Messiah. If that is true, guys, if he did come to pay the penalty, if we now are made right in the eyes of God, that's incredibly good news for us, that, that we have found forgiveness, that we are now made right with God, that like we've been talking about with prayer, that we can boldly walk into God's throne room and hang out with him. That's the reality of the kingdom in which we live in today. Do we live like that, though? I mean, that's that challenge of of do you really live believing that, that, that God's kingdom has come and, and the blessing that you are now receiving being a part of that kingdom? And not only just, uh, like, the, I mean, the forgiveness of sin is huge, but the rebirth that happens now being a part of God's kingdom. You know, and we look a lot of times when we read the Old Testament and we, and we read the story, if you guys are doing the, um, the ESV uh, reading plan that, we put in your bulletin every week. It's an incredible reading plan if you're not doing it. <clears throat> but in that, it's walking through Psalms and, and the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and then it's jumping to the books of history, and then it's jumping into the epistles, and it's reading the story of what God is doing. And I think a lot of times we read that story, uh, and I've been reading that, and, and it's been incredible to remember that and to think about, oh, man, it would be so cool to be there, you know, to be, to be with Moses as they're going through the desert and they're following the cloud and the pillar of fire by night and getting to see God very powerfully and very tangibly. And we look fondly on that. And we almost look at that as, as that would be greater to be able to be a part of that than it is even to live today. And that's not true because what we get today is to be able to be able to have a unique personal relationship with the creator of the universe. That's what Jesus did in coming here to die on this earth. And that may seem like a very obvious point to us. We're like, well, yeah, Josh, we, we say that all the time. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to live that. You know, Jesus may not be what you expected, but he is what God promised. And we need to take that truth and say, okay, what does that mean for me today? How should I live? And that truth is not only just about my personal life, it also applies to us as a church and us about the way we, we interact with God. And that's one of the things that Jesus is going to drive home here uh, in this last section, starting in verse 31. He says, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They're like children sitting in a marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. And we sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say, he is a demon. And the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Wow, that's a kick in the teeth. You know, because after he had gotten... 
who and what John the Baptist was, what did the people do in that section 29 and 30? They start arguing among one another. Like, oh yeah, I've been baptized, so I'm a part of that. And the other people are like, ah, we don't believe in baptism, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a part of that. So I, I, I disagree with that. So the, the rejectors here, they were majoring on the minor issues of lifestyle rather than the wrestling with the deeper issues of message. And that is what happens with us as a church and as God's followers as we spend so much time arguing and complaining like little children over lifestyle issues. I mean, if this was a parable, it'd be the parable of the brats. That they say, I mean, he's basically making fun of them. He was like, you know what? If I had to compare you guys to something, you're like a bunch of children that start playing a game. And because you won't play the game like they play it, you just go sit on the sidelines and whine and complain. Yeah, that's me. You know? I see that with my kids. And that's funny that Maddie's in here. Hey, Maddie. Um, we, we're, we're teaching our children how to play well together. Uh, and one of my children, which I'm not going to name because she's sitting in the room, um, when, they're, when, when they're playing a game, if it's not being played the way that she wants it to be played, she'll, she goes and she has a little pouting fist, fest. And she'll, she'll say, I don't want to play it like that. And instead of working through those issues, the differences, she'll go and typically find like her little secret place you know, a little tent or something, and she'll ball up in there, and she will just talk to herself and just throw a royal fit. And it happens all the time, and so we're trying to walk with her. Has that ever happened, Dan? <laughs> Did you guys house Danielle, Jim? Never? Girls? Um, we, uh, we're trying to walk with her about what it means to, to disagree or, or to not like the way something's happening. It's not okay to go and throw a fit. But that is completely what Jesus is saying that, that we do here, is that I don't like the way you guys are playing the game, and so I'm going to leave. I'm not going to play. And we're going to get real personal here. This is very evident in the church. 99% of the things that people leave over are lifestyle issues. Or I don't like the way that you're doing it. It's not the message, you know, because we're teaching the truth of the scriptures, right? As a church, we're teaching, like we're, we're walking through the scriptures and we're saying, God, what does your truth mean for us? And people aren't saying, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of that because you guys are, are teaching false doctrine. It's, I don't like that. You know, I don't like that style. I don't like the way that Macker leads worship. So I'm going to go someplace else where I can find a worship leader that I like the way that he leads worship, you know? The style of Red Sea is, you know, flannel and a beard. Well, I don't like flannel and a beard. So I'm going to go somewhere else. And I'm going to find a church that wears polo, and they don't, they don't, they don't have pointy beards and, and stuff like that. I mean, like, we joke, but isn't that true? Like, isn't that so true about us as, as, as God's people? Is, is we spent so much time majoring on minor issues instead of, instead of what, what it really matters to, to be a part of the gospel. And, and so that's what the people were doing with, with John and Jesus. So there's just so many, there's just so many issues that, 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 this, that this really can, uh, can settle home for us. So Jesus ends that section saying, in verse 35, "...yet wisdom is justified uh, by all her children." Or a wisdom is shown by those who respond to Jesus. You know, it's kind of a kind of a paraphrase of that. Is you being able to not allow a difference in a style? If that, if you can allow um, your preference not to take over, then that shows maturity and wisdom. 
And that is one of the ways that we respond to Jesus. Wisdom is justified by her children. It's, you know, you'll know someone's parenting by their children, right? You know, it says a lot about parenting. You know, you'll know wisdom out of what it produces, out of it. And so you guys and and myself, we get the opportunity in walking through the scriptures to look at how Jesus lived and to not be offended by that, but actually to change the way that I'm living to model that. And to do the things that, that, that he's doing. To go and to, to hang out with the tax collectors. And to, and to love on the, the lepers. And, and to, you know, even the, the sinful woman here that comes and she washes Jesus' hair with, with, her, uh, with her feet. And people just, just complain about it. You know, I mean, we get that opportunity. Are we, gonna, are we going to do that? Are we going to whine and complain about the way that people are responding to Jesus? Or are we just going to ourselves and what it means to be his followers, what it means to be a part of his kingdom, and continue to press on in, uh, in, in the mission. So you guys have a choice today to do that. And, and there's choices for you who are believers. Are you going to grow up? You know, are you going to stop being a child in preferences? You know, that's where it really, I think, is going to resonate for us as followers of Christ but also for you guys in here that may not know who Jesus is, that may not know him as, a, as, as, as your Savior, you get a choice today to, to follow God and, and to be a part of his kingdom and, uh, and to know him. And that's one of the things that, that we do here when we come to these tables is we break bread and we remember the penalty that, that, caught, that Jesus Christ paid for us. We remember that we were far from God and he has reconciled us back to himself. And, and we take the blood and we, and we take the juice and, and then we sing and, and, and we have a response to that of what Jesus has done. As we look at our sin and, and we look at how we've just rebelled against God and been childish and say, okay, God, I want to live life the way that you want me to live it because not only I'm not just going to submit, I believe it's the best way to do it. I believe it's the best way to be here and to to live a life that's righteous and glorifying to you. And then we ask God to give us the power to do that because that's not something that we can do on our own. That's something that he empowers us to do and and that he leads us to do. So that's the challenge of of not being offended over, over who Jesus or who God calls and sends or how he decides to bring his plans to pass. That's, that's another hard truth of things just aren't happening the way that I thought they should happen. And so, you know what? I'm going to go sit on the sidelines for a while. That's not what it means to follow God. That's not what it means to be a part of, a part of his kingdom. So uh, I'm going to ask Macker and, and, and uh, these guys to come back up here and, and we're going to have some time to respond and and uh, this is another 20-minute, you know, message, which I know I'm notorious for. But I really wanted us to spend time taking a truth and just praying to God and saying, God, you know, what does that mean for me? And, and, I, and ask to come in and to change us. And so I would encourage you guys, spend some time praying over that. Praying over that truth and asking God and asking His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Maybe pray with one another if, if you have a if you're a community together of a of a of people that are living around each other in community. Maybe you want to get together and you want to pray, or or maybe you want to take communion together and say, you know what, Father, don't allow our preferences, my style, to be the thing that's so dominant here, but allow me to model myself after you. Or maybe you're here and, and you don't know who Jesus is. And, I, and you want to know more about him, I would love to talk to you about that and tell you about this incredible Messiah that in the chapters before raised people from the dead and, and, uh, and he cleansed people and, and he healed
you know, that's an incredible God. And I'd love to tell you about him. So I'm up here. This is Royce and Billy, the other flannel bearded guy. I would love to also tell you a little bit about who Jesus is. So let's spend some time praying and responding to, uh, to God and, uh, and being together as a family and taking communion and giving of our tithes and offerings. So join me in prayer. Uh, Father, I, uh, I need you to change me, God. Uh, I need you to change us. We are uh, a people that are prone to selfishness, and, uh, and we need to uh, be more like you and be more like your son. And, and uh, Father, my natural tendency is just to try harder, and I know that's not the response, God. I, I need to look to the cross and look to what you did and know that I am made right in the eyes of you, of, your, of, uh, of, of God, and, and, and take that truth and allow it to radically change the way that, that I'm approaching uh, my community and in my church. Father, give us endurance to press on and, and doing the work that you've called us to do here in this city and, and to loving God. I'm excited about uh, as the weather changes here in our city and people begin to come out of their caves and, and we begin to interact, Father. And just to, to see like the community garden on Saturday and to see a group of people coming together uh, to grow fruit, food, to serve their community was a beautiful picture of, uh, of just loving people. And, uh, and Father, there's going to be so many opportunities like that. So allow us to make the most of those opportunities. Uh, when my drunk neighbor comes over and he wants to help me unload, Father, uh, allow me to, to be able to love on him, to build that relationship, share your truth with him, uh, Father. I really, I want to be a good neighbor, uh, God. I want to love my neighbors, Father. I believe that's a command that's from you uh, to love. And so, Give us the ability to do that and strengthen us today, Father. So we come before you, ask you to change us. Hear our offerings and our prayers as we lift them up to you and we give out of our blessings that you've given us, Father, and, and we take communion and we worship you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.